What's up, future changemakers? You're listening to Impact India, a podcast that deep dives into the epic stories of social entrepreneurs and social innovation in India. Impact India is sponsored by CauseArtist, your go-to social impact lifestyle online platform for all things social goodness around the world. And I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, social entrepreneur and director of content at CauseArtist. You can connect with me on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. All right, no stopping us now, full speed ahead. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Impact India. I apologize. I have not been very consistent. Shame on me. Um, it's been uh, it's been a hell of a few months. Uh, it's been really busy over here, also with the launch of Curated Consciously uh, in the podcast. Um, so I've been trying to keep up with everything, making sure that I'm bringing you all the best stories from uh, the impact scene here in India. And uh, although there was a little bit of a hiatus there, I am so thrilled for you to listen in to today's episode. Today on the show, I have Jatindra and Shivani Sinha, co-founders of Sai Sustainable Agro, a social venture working to improve the livelihoods of tribal and marginalized farmers in Odisha, India, using agroforestry to redevelop degraded land. The goal to develop a truly inclusive and sustainable business model that uplifts marginalized people and farmers worldwide. Jatindra is a veteran of the agricultural industry in India and a very passionate social entrepreneur. His diverse and honestly very impressive career has included serving as the international chief technical advisor to the UNDP and the minister of agriculture to the government of Iran. In 2019, he co-founded Sai Social Purpose Corporation in the U.S. and has been replicating his agroforestry model in African countries such as Uganda, Ghana, and South Africa. In his spare time, which I don't know where he finds it, he has also been mentoring entrepreneurs in resilient agricultural supply chain development across Asia and Africa. Shivani has been working passionately on women and children's issues since the early 1990s. She initially worked as a vice president of an educational institution before moving on to working in the NGO sector to focus on healthcare for women and children. Now she leads Sai Sustainable Agro's initiatives to improve healthcare and education for tribal communities they work with in Odisha. Both manage their time between Sai's field office in Koraput, Odisha, and in their headquarters in Navi, Mumbai. Once again, I am so, so honored to be able to have the opportunity to interview you both. So what I'd like to start off with is how did you both come up with this incredible business model to support marginalized farmers? I, we have been working in this area because my background is agriculture and uh, I've been working at a national and international level. So basically, uh, we were settled in the Philippines. We came back uh, to India in 2008. And uh, after that, I was doing some consultancies. Uh, in w- one of the consultancies of World Bank, I came across to support the paper industries in, in India. And one of the issues, what I realized that they were importing the raw materials, uh, pulp wood from which they manufacture the paper. And incidentally, these paper mills are situated in the deep tribal pockets. Uh, so, uh, what I came across that the paper industry were focusing only on growing the plantations. And in the same area, these tribal community, the uh, small mar- marginal farmers who had a small piece of land, 
they were selling of the land and migrating to the cities. So there was big disconnect. And that's how uh, we developed the concept, IMC, when we developed the concept of uh, agroforestry, where the crops provide uh, the regular seasonal income and plantations uh, provide big lump sum income every four years. So that was the uh, uh, simple beginning in, the, uh, in 2013. Fantastic. And for our audience, could you just simplify, you know, what is agroforestry? And, you know, what does your agroforestry model look like? Uh, agroforestry in a simplest terms means where you combine the crop uh, together with tree. So any kind of crops with any kind of tree is known as agro. Ag agro means crop and uh, forestry means tree. So that's the simplest mean. But what we had developed was a very uh, scientific model, considering the topography and uh, geography of the area, the needs of the uh, poor people, the small farmers over there, as well as of the industry. So in our agroforestry model, uh, we followed uh, strip cropping, where we grow two rows of the plantation, and then we give a gap of 30 feet in uh, which this is small tribal crop, uh, farmers, they grow their crop. And again, these the two rows of the trees. That's really interesting. So what does your process kind of look like high level? So you're, you're working with so many communities, you're replicating your model across Asia and Africa. And, you know, how do you go about identifying, uh, you know, which communities and which regional areas to be working in? Because I'm sure there's so many there's so much diverse landscape uh, and agriculture to work with. So how do you kind of identify where your work, where you know your work, your model will work? Yeah, uh, when we started, uh, there was some clarity among us that we wanted to work with the poorest of poor. Uh, we call them base of the pyramid. So we wanted to work with the farmer at the base of pyramid. And uh, in 2011, uh, just a couple of years before when he started the work, uh, UNDP uh, Human Development Report, it highlighted that uh, there are eight states in India, including Odisha, Bihar, Jharkhand, uh, MP, Chhattisgarh, West Bengal, UP. They have the more number of persons with acute poverty if you combine the 26 poorest country in Africa and you combine the poorest in these 80 states, the poverty in these states are much higher than the 26 poorest countries of Africa. So that's how uh, we started focusing uh, on these states. So we, nearly, we initially started in Odisha. And in Odisha, if you see the uh, poverty is very high in Koraput, Malkangiri belt, where we started the work. So our focus was very much on the poverty area, tribal people, degraded land, and agroforestry. Mm, that's actually that's heartbreaking. I mean, from from your from your understanding, why is it that India faces such a higher rate of poverty? Uh, I think it's uh, uh, one of the thing when we are looking into the poverty pockets, these are more among uh, the uh, area where the tribal community are staying, where more smaller marginal farmers are staying. 
they stay mostly in isolation that is one of the reason uh, most of the government programs they can't reach us because they are staying in isolations remote area the government people and government scheme can't reach them they also cannot reach to the market so all the support whether it's access to knowledge access to technology access to market this do not reach them so what do you think is is the biggest disconnect currently like why what is it that's missing currently that could be actually fixed um in terms of ensuring that these communities are you know get the information they need about government schemes um you know having access to, to technology or do you really think that this isn't something that can totally be managed at the moment and which is why really just focusing on agriculture is is the only you know economic driver for them currently yeah uh, maybe uh, i will highlight uh, how we started plugging in these gaps and what problem we face so then you can find what were the disconnect so as i highlighted uh, access to information access to technology access to finance these were the big limitations for these uh, small and marginal farmers then how, what we started we started identifying how they can be provided such kind of support they they just don't need any kind of technical expertise that people come here and give a lecture and go back they needed constant hand holding support so we identified uh, rural youth in those, uh, those areas who can provide the support to these farmers and we started training these rural youth we uh, we inducted them as our staff these rural youth they don't need to go out or come to the office they have to stay in their village they have to identify a certain number of uh, small farmers normally 50 to 60 farmers which they can manage which they can regularly provide the support and uh, that's how we started working but uh, the biggest problem for us these farmers they needed access to finance they had to buy the inputs even if we are giving them training and all the support they had to buy uh, agriculture inputs like seeds fertilizer they had to do the plowing and banks or any other government support was not reaching to them and there we started uh, putting our own money uh, me and shivani uh, we started putting our own, own money and we not reach people what I, we used to do i used to do consultancy assignments here and there keep some money for my family and remaining money i used to invest in this community still that's the biggest gap uh, i understand that's the biggest disconnect even if you are providing support you have to trust these people you have to protect them from getting exploited by middleman by other people so that's that's what i understand yeah that makes that makes total sense it's just it's just heartbreaking i mean shivani i'd love to hear from from your side like so you're working more on like the education and the healthcare aspects you know what is that looks like to date and how has sai been able to come in and assist in ensuring that you know tribal and marginalized communities access you know quality healthcare and education for you jitne bhi aise jo bhi hain tribal people jinke liye hum 
हम जितना भी हेल्प उनकी कर सकते हैं वो हम करते हैं लाइक गर्ल्स जैसे गर्ल्स के साथ बहुत सारी चीजें होती है तो उनको हम अपने साथ लाकर अपने लोगों के बीच रखकर और उनसे काम करवाते हैं तो उनको हम हेल्प भी करते हैं और साथ में उन्हें सपोर्ट भी करते हैं तो एक तरह से उनकी हम सेफ करते हैं उन्हें और जैसे उनके बीमार हो गए या उन्हें जो भी सपोर्ट चाहिए होता है तो वो हमसे हमें बताते हैं कि मैडम हमारे साथ ऐसी चीजें हो रही है और आप हम हमें आपकी मदद चाहिए तो हम उन्हें जैसे कुछ पैसे रुपए होते हैं तो उनको मनी से उनकी हेल्प करते हैं और हमारे स्टाफ जो है उनके घर पे जाकर या जो भी उन्हें सपोर्ट मिल सकता है वो एक ट्राइबल एरिया में उन्हें वहां पे जाके वो सपोर्ट करते हैं तो बहुत सारी ऐसी छोटी छोटी चीजें हैं जहाँ पे हम ये चीजें कर रहे हैं और हम दोनों तो कर ही रहे हैं साथ में हमारे साथ जितने भी लड़के जो काम कर रहे हैं वो उनकी सपोर्ट करते हैं उन उनके प्रॉब्लम्स को हमारे पास लेकर आते हैं और वो उनके ही लैंग्वेज में हमें एक्सप्लेन करते हैं फिर हम वो चीजों को समझकर उनकी हेल्प करने की कोशिश करते हैं Uh, that means you know what happens in these deep tribal pockets where the poverty is very high. These adolescent girls uh, they are forced to go out and work in other area. And when they go out and work in other area, uh, not only the physical exploitation but sexual exploitation happens. So what she is doing through Sai, uh, she is organizing these kind of girls who used to go out for wage labor. and uh, uh, sai is providing them wage labor labor opportunity in their own farm in in their villages near to their villages they don't have to go out and then uh, that uh, save them from the exploitation also it uh, gives them opportunity to read and uh, that's what she was saying whatever the other supports they are looking for even for uh, studying and other things uh, we have been providing to these people That's fantastic, and again, like these stories are just so heartbreaking. Um, I mean, are there other sim- similar models in these areas, or you know, is is Sai really the first organization to come in and and bring a, a a platform for actual opportunity and and I mean safety as well for these communities? Because it it seems like without any kind of without you, <laughs> there doesn't really seem to be an outlet for connecting. um you know these marginalized communities to any kind of opportunity especially economic wise no uh, it's very difficult it means uh, we can understand if sai would not have been there they would have continued to face uh, the similar uh, exploitation which they have been facing there are no such organizations even uh, jasmine you know even the people people from odisha they are afraid to go in our area because of one more reason our area is nexalite prone even after evening nobody dares to go out and you can imagine i and shivani we are based in mumbai we go and stay in the village we have rented a small house in the village itself and we go and stay and work with these communities when people they learn about we are working in the community 
they appreciate us but many people they don't want to come to see uh, what we are doing and how we are doing because uh, there are many stories on uh, this extremist problem and exilite problem yeah. we we never came across actually Ooh. but yeah organizations are very afraid to go in such kind of area Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's also a fear of the unknown. There's so many other cultural challenges that like, you know, even I'll I'll never be able to fully understand all the many levels, um which is why I'm so fascinated being able to speak with with you two around what you're doing. Um but something that I'm also really curious about is, you know, now that you've built this successful model, you're able to mm-hmm. sustain the livelihoods of of tribal communities, marginalized farmers, which is something that I have been really passionate about lately as well. And me and my husband have actually been talking more and more about how we're like, okay, I know we're young and I know we don't know anything about farming, but how can we, you know, um be part of this kind of green revolution that needs to happen here in India so as it's as it's one of the biggest, you know, sectors of India and yet, you know, farmers are just so mistreated. Um so I I'm curious, you know, what are the unique challenges that you've experienced, you know, working in such diverse countries and landscapes? You know, you're replicating your model in countries like Uganda and Ghana and South Africa. Yeah. Um I believe that you're also starting yeah. to um replicate models in, in South America uh, as well. Is that am I correct? Yeah. Yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. what does that look like i'm uh, so curious <laughs> yeah we have traveled to all those countries uh what happened uh, we started our work in 2013 so like for five years we were working staying in the village working in rich community and then 2017 uh, when the revenue started coming and from every acre uh, we call them we are converting each farmer into lakpati Lakpati is a tenth of a millionaire, which is a good amount of money in India. So, from every acre of degraded land, our motto was to convert each family into a Lakpati, and it started happening. In 2017, our model was uh, selected uh, at the international level among the eco-inclusive model, which can be replicated in other countries. and that's so uh, the model uh, our model was explained in our different african countries many social entrepreneurs they wrote to us and then we started mentoring we i and shivani we visited to those country we saw the people we met with the villagers we saw the extreme poverty over there uh, the model is same it's agroforestry model everything is same what we are doing we are contextualizing like instead of uh, pulp wood we are growing tropical fruits in uganda we are growing avocado which is very popular over there uh, in india uh, we are into the millet farming and africa we are growing the uh, food which they eat very uh, passionately so these are some of the changes we are doing but model is same and this how it's getting replicated once you touch Uh, the livelihood of the people uh, particularly this uh, poorest of poor they start getting uh, support from uh, the people as what is happening yeah i feel like it's it's just come to a point now where uh, everyone is just becoming more aware that these types of models are the way of the future and the way of eradicating poverty 
Um, so, and, and I'm so like, honestly, I feel like I'm like blushing talking to you both because I really, I'm just so inspired uh, by what you've been able to accomplish and replicate. And, you know, something that, you know, and because it's something that's becoming a lot more, you know, communities are a lot more aware that we need models like this. We need to empower our farmers. We need to also, you know, create sustainable, you know, food supply chains, of course, you know, there's 7.7 billion people in this world. So I'm curious, you know, why is there such a disconnect um, between like the government level of and, and, and marginalized farmers in, 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 in providing actual resources? Um, you know, like I feel like even with a country like India, where there's, there's so many people, I know it's challenging to get to smaller communities, but why isn't there more why isn't there just more coming from the top down? Why is there not enough support coming from a government level? And why are we as individuals not, not really seeing the, the disconnect? And why are, what, what can we be doing to really improve what's happening on the ground and yeah. ensuring that farmers have what they need to thrive? Uh, there, there are a couple of things, uh, Jasmine. One is, uh, you know, looking from different perspectives, so, uh, if we are talking about the perspective of the policymakers or uh, donors, they have totally different perspective. They they see this kind of community uh, as poor, helpless, those kind of things, and they think that if they give something, it will be appreciated. So, on the other side. Poors are always not looking for arms. They are not beggars. Uh, you see, our our thing is living with dignity. If even if you are giving them hundred rupees or ten rupees, you are making them beggar. You you are uh, killing that kind of uh, inner things to live with respect. So uh, many programs in India in the world. You see. All these charity and donor kind of thing, I'm not saying it's not needed, but when you are giving the charity and donors, these are not sustainable. You have to make them partners. Yeah. You have to support them. They have to come up, you have to support them, you have to provide the critical support. That's what Sai was doing and Sai has been doing. Second thing uh, is what happens. Uh, you have to see how you can involve them. Because if we, for uh, Sai, we see an opportunity. We, as I mentioned in the beginning, on one side, we were looking into the industries who are importing. <clears throat> Even in India, see, many things are being imported, which can be grown in India. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the demand was there. Only how you can connect. I was having meeting at the Niti Aayog and what they appreciated that our connect was very strong. The way we started bringing community in remote area, in isolated area with a small uh, size of farm, one acre or two acres, and we started bringing them. And and uh, the way we connected them, that was a big thing for them. This is not happening. And uh, one more thing I wanted to see, mm, Consider them as a partner. As a partner, we, we never tell them that they are beneficiaries. We don't use the term even beneficiaries. They're not beneficiaries. We partner them. They have certain strength. 
in today's world, a person having a land cannot be poor. They have the resources. The resources are not properly being utilized. And that's what Saiva has been doing. They're utilizing their resources in the best possible way. And where they are lacking, we are bringing those resources together. We produce and then we share. So they have a sense of dignity. They know what they are getting, what they are producing. There is a value attached to that. Mm, that's really powerful. That, and that's something that I've, I've really been focusing on a lot this year in, in uh, interviewing for Impact India. The idea of just being resourceful. And I feel like it's probably, it's really easy for us to see what we have in front of us and think like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to move forward. How do I build something from nothing? But it really is being intentional around, okay, what do, I, let's count the amount of things that I have. What can I build from this? How can I, uh, how can I expand? How can I bring my community into play? And I think that's what's so powerful also about social enterprise models and why I 100% agree with you. Although charity can definitely be beneficial in some cases, ultimately it's not sustainable long-term. It's not going to give us the results that we need because if we're constantly depending on others to, to thrive, how, how we can't be doing that our whole lives. Of course, we need to be investing in, in ourselves and how we as our, as individuals can be sustainable in our own projects. So I, I couldn't agree more. What I also would love to, you know, touch on before we kind of start to close off is, you know, something that we're all very aware of is during this crazy roller coaster of a year uh, with COVID-19 coming in and playing such a huge role on the lives of, of marginalized individuals and migrant workers, um, you know, uh, we've we've seen it firsthand on news and videos. You know, uh, communities, people walking by foot to get back home across states, um, just without access to food, anything that they need to really survive. But but making the trek home, and you know, losing work, not having income coming into the family, especially when we have these workers who will like go to the city and send money back home, they've now lost their their economic uh, opportunity to support their family. Um, I know that Sai has come in and, and played a big role in this, and I'd love for you to share with our audience, you know, what have you been up to <laughs> throughout this crazy year to ensure that uh, migrant workers and marginalized individuals who have been seriously impact by the, impacted by the virus have been able to still access what they need to survive? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, um, uh, in the word of Einstein, in the... Uh, problems, in the difficulties, there lies an opportunity. And that's what uh, we recognize at SAI. You're very true that many of the workers who are working in the cities, who, who are coming from the rural area, they lost their job. In Odisha, more than 20 lakhs uh, workers who are working in the cities, they returned back. Oh my uh, so our immediate concern was many of these returned migrants, they were coming to the village where we were working. Our immediate concern was how we can use their services more productively. I'm not telling about charity. We did not do charity with them. It's always living with dignity. So what we did, on one side, we already had the matured plantation which uh, we we were supplying to the paper industry. So I asked the paper industry to increase our uh, uh, allotment for supplying the wood because 
we had already planted and we started using the return migraines to give them wage labor by harvesting these mature trees. We also uh, applied for some loan under the emergency grant guarantee scheme of the government of India. And we utilized this loan in bringing more degraded land under the agroforestry. And we are, when we are bringing more land into the agroforestry, we help these migrants in two ways. Many of the migrants who have a small piece of land, around 150 of them, they were able to do the cultivation. And uh, within four months, five months, the food will be with them. We, they are growing sorturation food. Other side, during the cultivation, you need uh, a wage employment. So we started providing them wage employment. And uh, I was calculating in three months, we have created more than 6,000% days of wage employment. Wow. And, and this is not a charity. Again, I'm saying these are the income. This is enterprise. Secondly, when I said the opportunity, you know, uh, this tribal population, they mainly grow millets, finger millets in Odisha. What we identified finger millet is a smart food. It's immunity booster. So when we are talking about the people uh, getting caught by uh, COVID-19, getting affected by Corona, these immunity booster food will increase their immunity. So what we are doing right now, the farmers are growing finger millets. We are setting up a processing center in the center itself where they are growing, where we are employing some of the return migrants. They will be manufacturing right to uh, ready to eat and ready to cook food like uh, millet pasta, millet noodles, millet soup, um, uh, idli dosa mix, which we are will be selling to the consumers, urban consumers. So uh, you can imagine those, those returning migrants, those farmers at the base of pyramid, they will be supplying the immunity booster food to the urban consumer to fight with the COVID-19. Wow, that's really incredible. <laughs> I feel like I didn't do that much during COVID-19. That's amazing. I'm, you know, how can we as individuals uh, in the city, how can we support more of what you're doing? And, you know, is there something that you can identify for our listeners in how they can support more marginalized farmers during this time? Because honestly, sometimes it's so hard to truly connect to what's happening on the ground because the city versus, you know, the village, it's just, there's just so much disconnect. So what can we as city dwellers do in our communities as individuals to support more of a you know, sustainable agricultural system and the work that you specifically do at SAI. Yeah, you're very right. And uh, actually we are working on that. Uh, first of all, uh, we, the people uh, staying in city, we cannot visualize uh, the rural area nowadays. We can't see the people, tribal people or the people at the base of pyramid, how they are struggling, how they are farming. So first of all, uh, uh, now we are entering into the technology platform, which will directly connect the urban consumer with these farmers. So suppose, uh, suppose I am a person living in city. I want food from farm, but I can't go to the village. I don't have time. 
So what we are doing, we are connecting the farmers to the urban consumers directly. And uh, again, I'm saying it's not kind of charity. It's not you are giving the money. Since I am not able to do it personally as an urban consumer, we have a group of people who are working directly with the farmers. And those produce, we are somehow getting benefited, like millets. Like uh, now in uh, uh, Himachal, we are planning to grow the apple, which are all the health consisting. So yeah, we are entering into uh, Himachal Pradesh with returned magnets in Kulu Valley to grow clonal apple, which grows uh, within a year. Uh, within two years, we start fruiting. We are uh, mm -hmm. working in Chhattisgarh. Mm -hmm. uh, we are working in Madhya Pradesh on uh, turmeric and ginger. If you see, all these mm -hmm. are healthy food. And that's how we can connect the uh, urban people to these farmers. What we look when we are staying in city, that there should not be chemical. It should be healthy food. So if we can connect the farmers to the consumer directly and where the consumers know very well, they can see, they can visualize, they can get connected that whatever being grown are, are rich, no chemical, it's healthy. So they can pay for that. So that's what uh, is our vision and that's what we are working on to get them uh, on technology platform where they can see, where can they can talk. That kind of thing uh, we are looking into. That's fantastic. And, and I think that's also something that's been trending in the conversations this year is also the fact that we have completely lost connection with where our food comes from. You know, we, we, you know, think of all the city dwellers who are ordering, you know, takeout and everything comes in plastic. And, you know, we're forgetting that, you know, we pull our food from the soil. It comes from our earth and, and reconnecting with how everything comes full circle. I think being able to connect city dwellers to the farmers who are actually growing the food and understanding the process and, you know, what is and isn't included in that process, including like, you know, ex eradicating the, the, you know, chemicals and pesticides and toxins from our food, I think is huge. Um, and often something that we really, uh, we, we don't remember is something that, that shouldn't be in our food, shouldn't be in our bodies. And that, you know, <laughs> food is supposed to sustain us and not be something that ends up uh, becoming a barrier in, in long-term health. Um, so that's really, really beautiful. And, and thank you for what you do. Um, be, before we sign off, I just, you know, if, for our listeners who want to learn more about Sai, you know, where can they find you online and how can they connect with you? Uh, we have a YouTube channel where we regularly upload the story of the farmers as well as uh, we, uh, almost every week I explain the model in most simpler way. Uh, we have a, a, a Facebook page, we, uh, we have a LinkedIn page, and uh, we have a website. Awesome. So website is www.siteagro.org. Awesome. And I will include all of those links in the show notes for our listeners. Uh, Jatindra and Shivani, thank you so, so much for joining me today. It's been such an honor to hear what you've been up to, be able to share this with our audience. And I'm really looking forward to watching you continue to expand and just completely reshape, um, you know, 
what the future of food systems and, and eradicating poverty could look like. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you, Jeff. Ha, feeling inspired? See what other impact stories we have to share over on carsartist.com. Be sure to subscribe for weekly updates from Grant and I about content, giveaways, and new episodes from Disruptors for Good and Impact India. Looking to learn more about social impact and conscious living in India? Hit me up on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. Cheers, friends.